Welcome everybody to Radius Church. Um, we're going to be looking at the end of Galatians today, Galatians 6, 11 through 18, closing up uh, our Galatians series, as Brother Reagan said. Um, so we're going to read that real quick, and then we'll start off in prayer, and then dig into the Word. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard, and mercy even to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit. Amen. Father, we're thankful for just your word to exhort us, to correct us, to teach us how to live, to learn from uh, examples of people in the past. Father, we just pray for um, your word to be shown and not mine. Father, that it comes directly from you and not my words, but yours, Father. And pray this in Jesus' name. So most of your Bibles will have a heading that says, Concluding Exhortation. So what's an exhortation? It means Paul is calling the church in Galatia out. He is going to hold them accountable to their actions of what they've been doing. And of course, my mind directly, when you talk about legalism versus freedom and it's the closing, you right away think of Braveheart, right? Remember? I will never take our freedom, right? The Judaizers are trying to take your freedom, and we're running like Braveheart yelling, they're never going to take our freedom. That's what I think. When we look at verse 11, um, we see him talking about that. Paul has been contrasting legalism and freedom in Christ throughout the whole book. He does this by comparing the Judaizers, a.k.a. also known as the circumcision party, who believe in faith plus, not just faith, but faith plus keeping the law, versus true believers in Christ who have been set free by grace through faith. This last section in Galatians, Paul is going to exhort the church one more time to live in the freedom of Christ's finished work on the cross so that peace may be among them. When we start with Galatians 6.11, um, we see that Paul has been dictating his words to his secretary. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Okay, So historically we see that typically Paul would voice the words and his secretary would write it down but because this is an exhortation 
He's snatching that pen and paper and writing it down himself. And even says large letters, big letters. If you're a coach, you know what this means. When you're writing up on the, on the whiteboard um, at halftime or before a game, you've got large letters. That means it's important with three underlines, right? Stars on the side. This is important. And this is what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. This section is very, very important. So don't skip that little piece there. We're going to move on to verse 12 here. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. It seems as if Paul is saying here that there are people in the church who are looking to be spiritual by becoming circumcised for the purpose of avoiding persecution. For us today, that would be like getting baptized for the sole purpose of being spiritual. You might be saying, hey, the only reason why I want to get baptized is because I want everybody out there to know I've made it. I've made it to the top. So you can see me. The Judaizers has, have infiltrated the church and spread a false gospel that says in order for you to be saved, not only do you have to have faith, but you also need to get circumcised. For us, that's saying in order for you to get into heaven, in order for you to be right with God, you also have to get baptized. Now we know through the main gospel passages, John 3, 16, Romans 10, 9, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that it is by belief and by faith alone. We also know that one of the uh, guys who was dying on a cross next to Jesus, where Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise because of your faith. Did he jump down, get baptized, go back up on the cross? No, he didn't. He was saved by his faith. And we also are saved by faith. Now, baptism is a command. So when you get saved, yes, we are to get baptized. So everybody will know that we are Christians and we live by the book. And so that all of you can hold me accountable to what the book says and how I live my life. It's an outward symbol. It doesn't save, but it shows. <clears throat> the gospel is clear that salvation comes by Christ alone, by grace alone, and through faith alone. Moving on to verse 13. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and, that, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. So Paul's sitting here like, what are you talking about? He's kind of going in on them. It's like, look, you're saying that you have to be circumcised to get saved. However, if that's the case, then you're not saved because you can't keep the whole law either. So what are you even talking about? 
You're a hypocrite. Paul is getting heated here. He's exclaiming that even the circumcision party who claims to be law keepers can't even keep the whole law. What you're doing is pointless. How are you going to boast in your flesh, a.k.a. the old man? That's like spraying cologne on a corpse. You can't cover up that stink. It's the true definition of stink on you. Okay? Spray that cologne on the corpse, what? It still smells. Smells bad, right? And that's who we are without Christ. Am I right? Romans 3, which we'll see here in a little bit, shows who we are apart from Christ. And I want to clarify that when I say who we are, that is apart from Christ. As a new creation, we don't live in that. We live in the Spirit. So moving on to verse 14 and 15 here. We're moving a little bit fast, but we'll, we'll have some points at the end. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Paul is saying here that he knows, apart from Christ, he is a wretched man. See that in Romans 6 and Romans 7 as well. He talks about that in depth. All he has in this life is to brag about the cross and Jesus Christ. And I think if you really look at yourself, you'll realize that, and I'm looking at myself, that there really is nothing good about us outside of Christ. And we see that in Romans 3. I want to turn to Romans 3 here because I want you to see, let's not forget who we are apart from Christ. So if you turn to Romans 3, book of Romans is right after Acts. Acts is right after the Gospels. Romans 3, 9 through 19. What then? Are we any better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. In the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We are in desperate, desperate need of a savior we are hopelessly lost without christ without christ alone nothing that we do in our flesh is glorifying to god we can't do anything to earn salvation we can't do anything to earn the right to be heirs to the throne there's nothing we can do the good news, though, is that when we put our faith in Christ, 
we become a new creation. So I want to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is a very important verse that you want to keep with you to remember who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. Second Corinthians 5:17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see the new has come. When you come to Christ, you put to death that old man. The old man in the flesh are who we were, who we are apart from Christ. And we put that to death. And what Paul is saying here over and over again is when you go back to legalism, when you go back to earning your salvation, that's you and me operating in our flesh in the old man. Trying our best and always falling short. Romans 3.23, all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Moving on to verses 16 to 18. May peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to the Israel of God. Legalism will rob you of your peace. Legalism, earning your right with God will rob you of your peace. Why? Because it becomes like a rat race. You ever seen a rat run around in a circle, always trying to get somewhere, but he's going nowhere? That's what it's like for you and I to continually go back to operating in the old man or the flesh. It's legalism. Do you have peace when you're constantly striving for something but will never get it? No. Because you can't get it. It's not yours to give. It has been given to you. Through the power of Jesus Christ. It is exhausting and you'll never make it. Isn't it exhausting when you're constantly spinning on that rat race? You're constantly going back to the old man, the old flesh? It's exhausting. You don't have peace. You're not resting in Christ and what he has done for you when we're going back to trying to keep the law. And that's what Paul is saying here in verse 16. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Amen. So my closing is going to be a little bit longer than the body because I want to have three things that we're going to take away. Um, today. Romans 3, as we read a little bit before. Be real with who you are in the flesh. Be real with your old man. The masquerade is exhausting. You know what a masquerade is? Where everybody walks around with the mask on. And don't lie about it. You know we all do it. 
Like, we're too busy pointing the fingers and blaming everybody else, but we know we all do it too. We walk around with these masks on, looking all holier than thou, when we're really just spraying cologne on a corpse. Let's let Romans 3 remind us of who we actually are in the flesh. And don't ever forget where we come from. Romans 3 is to humble us, to realize, and Paul said this in the passage, you really can't brag about anything because you didn't do anything. The only thing you need to boast in or brag about is the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Don't forget who you really are apart from Christ. Apart from Christ. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who Christ made you to be. That is our testimony. We don't brag in ourselves. We confess, we repent, we change through the power of Christ. Number two, we like to talk ourselves up. You know, I heard one time from a, from a pastor, he said, you know why we're all depressed in America? It's because all we do is look at ourselves all the time. We're so focused on self. And according to Romans 3, that could be pretty depressing, right? So this whole self-help and self-movement that we've seen over the last 10 to 20 years hasn't really helped because America is more depressed than we've ever been. Am I right? We like to brag about what we're doing. A lot of times we even like to spiritualize it under the guise of what I'm doing for Christ. And that's myself included. But in reality, we are just using pride to cover up our low self-esteem and insecurities about who we really are apart from Christ. And I'm talking to myself, family. Isn't it exhausting? Don't you get tired? It's exhausting because it's such hard work to constantly be putting on a show. You know how hard it is to be a director of a movie? That's us. It's exhausting. This fakeness, this, this masquerade, this walking around just, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And really, you didn't do nothing. Christ did it. And I'm talking to myself. Paul is telling us that apart from Christ, you have absolutely nothing to brag about. All we have in this life is to brag about Christ and what he has done for us. And when I talk about pride covering up self-esteem and insecurities, I'm talking to myself, really. The scriptures tell us, the scriptures tell us, this is Paul exhorting the church in Galatia, and the scriptures tell us to put ourselves on blast. Did you know that? Did you know there's freedom in confession and repentance? And we all have stuff. We all have stuff. I'm going to look at a few passages here that really talk to myself. I want you to turn to Hebrews 3.13. 
gotta go find it here. There's an old song, if you're into Christian music, called Snitch by Trip Lee. And the whole song is about him snitching on himself. He's calling himself out, putting himself on blast. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage, other translations may say exhort, call out, put on blast each other daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Call each other out, put each other on blast. And then for ourselves, you go back a little bit or go a little forward to James 5.16. And this is what the Trip Lee song is about. Anyone got uh, James 5.16? Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Put yourself on blast. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. And then we all know this verse. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. That's a big uh, prosperity verse right there, isn't it, family? But, hey, we love that part of the verse, but we don't want to go to 16 where it says, Confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. I know for myself, I love to talk myself up to make me feel better about myself. I love to boast in my accomplishments, even if I do it on the low. It's there. It's really just because I'm insecure and have low self-esteem is really what it is. When we put ourselves on blast, there's freedom. I'm a glutton. I love to eat. I've been free for about a month. Welcome to my AA meeting here. I've been free for about a month. And not finding satisfaction in food. Or when, I, or when I'm feeling down or depressed. My personality is such... And when people call me out, I don't like it. And my closest friends know that. I get defensive. If I was in the NBA, I'd be like 37 straight years on the all-defensive team. Brother asked me one time, I was like, Kyle, why do you get so defensive? I'm like, man, I'm a coach. Defense wins championships. Right? But I got to put myself on blast and let you guys hold me accountable because if you really love me, you will. Because my goal is not to make it in this life. My goal is to see others make it in the next life. And it's not about me. And it's not about you. And we need to get our eyes off ourselves. 
thinking of a Trip Lee song again. Get your eyes off me. I'm just dust from the ground. Get your eyes on him. He's the king with the crown. I ain't no superstar. That's a classic. Number three, don't let legalism rob you of your peace that you have in resting in Christ. Legalism is that rat race that you will never win. And as we all know, it is exhausting to keep trying. Paul says in Galatians 5.1, if you want to go back to Galatians 5.1, If I can find it here. For freedom, Christ set us free. You have been set free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, I'm telling you that if, that if you get yourself circumcised, circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. If you live by the law, if you live by legalism, you will die by legalism. You will die by the law. I will. You are now a new creation and no longer condemned. We need to live in freedom and in peace walking with our risen Savior. And I want to end here with one of my favorite passages. I want to turn to Romans 8. Because a lot of times we, we pity party about ourselves being in the old man and in the flesh and struggling with that. When we really need to just step up and live in the spirit in Romans 8. And for Romans 8, if you're looking for encouragement, Romans 1 through 7 is all about us apart from Christ. Maybe 1 through 6. 7 is kind of going back and forth. In Romans 8 is the freedom that we need to live in Christ on a daily basis. So I'm going to read that, just verses uh, 1 through 11. Now I encourage you when you go home uh, to read all of Romans 8 as it encourages you in your walk in the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the spirit. That means when you believe in Jesus... Christ has fulfilled the law for you and me. You don't need to keep trying to earn it. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death. You ever notice when you walk in the flesh, when you walk outside of God's word that it doesn't work out? When we live according to God's design, yeah, there's storms, but things tend to work out. And we'll get to that in Romans 8, 28. 
Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. You ever notice when we're walking with Christ that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding? And when we're living outside of God's design, depression, anxiety, and all these things come up into our hearts and minds. Because when we walk in the spirit, it doesn't work out. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't please God on your own. You can't. You, however, are not in the flesh. It's talking to us. We're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If the spirit of God is in you, then you walk in the spirit. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And that means that if you go long periods of time of not walking in the spirit, I'm talking long periods of time, you may need to ask yourself, am I in Christ? Work out your own faith in fear and trembling. There is that sense of a healthy fear. You know, I tell my kids all the time at the Dream Center, it's like, if I say I'm a basketball player, but I don't wear basketball shoes, you never see me with a basketball, and I'm never in a gym, am I a basketball player? No, I'm not. So there's that healthy conviction thereof, hey, I need to work out my own salvation in fear and trembling. I need to figure out, do I really believe this? Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Let's just keep going. I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing because this is so good. And we got time. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't have to. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. And everything you do will not work out. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons or daughters. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's an intimate relationship with the Father. You have been adopted into the family of Christ. We have. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we also may be glorified. And it talks about what happens when storms happen in the Christian life. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. 
The little amount of suffering we have as Christians here on earth is nothing in comparison to the glory that is to come. For creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's Son to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we are saved. In this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. That's faith. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of spirit because he intercedes for the saints to according to his will. That means when you're down and out, when you're in sorrow, and you don't even know how to pray to God, the Spirit interprets your heart to the Father. That's the power you have in Christ. And I want to end with Romans 8.28. Because this is what gives you hope. As a Christian, no matter what storm you go through, no matter what you go through in life, we know that all things work together for good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his image, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. If you are here today in Christ Jesus, no matter what you're going through, all the sufferings you've been through, the Lord will one day use that for his glory. He could take the worst pain and turn it into purpose. All day, every day. And that's the promise we have um, as believers in Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray it up. Father, we're thankful for just your word and your encouragement this morning. To know that the only thing we have is to boast in you, Father. Boast in your glory and who you are and not in ourselves. Because apart from you, Father, we are nothing. And we're thankful for this. We can rest in you, Father. We don't have to be exhausted anymore trying to put on a, a, a show, trying to live in fakery, Father. That we could just rest in who, who we are, confess our sin, repent, grow, change, and be okay with being called out. Just pray that we wouldn't take things too seriously, Father, and we wouldn't take things personal, that we would walk with you, Help my heart, Father, as I grow. Help our hearts as a church, Father, as we grow together. In Jesus' name, amen.